This, this, this is you. KUT. KUT, Austin. Stop. I used to get mad at my Hello, and welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer. And you know, I'm I'm just looking at you, and I, I had not noticed this before, but I know that you love cats because in several episodes recently, you've been kind of pulling on cat. Well, I shouldn't say pulling on cats, but using cats as examples yes. of various things. But I see you've got a cat. May I see that? You've got a yes, cat it's glass my, case. It is my glasses case. And it actually has two eyes and a nose of a cat, which is very it does. odd. Can you talk about this? I, well, I acquired that in Portland, Oregon, when I attended a public radio conference several years ago. And it caught my attention because of its feline nature. It, it has a feline feel uh-huh. to it, and it, but it's metal. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a glasses case. Yeah, yeah sure. It, yes, it's it's a little odd. Well, that's your opinion. That is my and opinion, and you are entitled to it. <laughs> I I did want to talk about something interesting that I thought we had discussed before, yeah. but it turns out we hadn't. So oh. I was remembering back to a couple of years ago, we talked about role models. And role models for students and role models for teachers and adults and sort of how we look to role models. Right. And I was talking to someone else in another context not long ago, and the t- the topic of mentoring came up. And I thought, hmm. oh, that could be good for podcast. Oh, but we've done that before. And then I realized, but, you know, mentoring and having a role model are not the same thing. You know, if you do a Venn diagram, there may be a little <laughs> bit of overlap there, but they're actually two very different things. And I thought yeah. it would be interesting to talk about mentors and mentorship and the value of having a mentor as opposed to having a role model more someone that we admire from afar. Yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought about that, Jennifer, but you're right. I I suppose that when I think of a role model, that person can be far away. It could be someone who I don't even know, Mm -hmm. but I aspire to be or I see and, and see elements of that I want to replicate, even though I might not even understand it, whereas a mentor is much closer. So that is a person who not only do I know, but the person has taken the time to know me and then to offer wisdom, counsel, advice, guidance, and so forth in order directed at me in order for me to to think about how I might want to change or evolve or grow. So that's interesting. I never really thought of the distinction before. But yeah, I think a mentor is, is a much closer um, and, 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 and requires a relationship, whereas a role model doesn't necessarily. Do you have a mentor, would you say? Oh, I've got tons of mentors. Yeah. And how did you go about choosing them? And did you formally ask any of them to be a mentor or is it just kind of a relationship that has evolved I think these over are, time? I think these are relationships that evolve and and I like to think that I'm a mentor to to some other people as well. And again, it's not like we officially, you know, came to an agreement or signed a contract or, you know, someone handed someone, a, you weren't pinned. Uh, but rather it evolves over time that y- you you begin to know each other and there, there. I think needs to be some element of either curiosity or some resonance. 
Um, and it could be it could be because um, of a shared experience, a shared background, a shared culture, uh, a shared anything. Um, or uh, in in some cases, I think it's kind of the opposite. That sometimes having a mentor who is different from you offers a perspective that might otherwise be missed and is thought provoking. And and I've experienced you know a variety of those different types on both sides of the mentorship relationship. But for me, it's just. Um, who you're you're drawn to, uh, who you you find uh, is open to listen to you if you're looking for a mentor, who is open to care to show some interest and care, and and then what they say or their actions or their implications somehow challenge you or resonate with you in in good ways, and I think that then that leads into this type of relationship, and then it, I think it becomes very personal, right? So you know some of the mentors. Uh, who are in my life, um, you know, I, I, I know them very well. They know me very well. I, I, I feel comfortable sharing thoughts and perspectives and plans with them that I might not want to do just with, with kind of random people. And that's also nice to have a sounding board where you know it's a, it's a, safe, it's a safe relationship where no one's going to be judgmental, but in fact, listen, ideally open-mindedly, and then, and then ask questions, right? Then start to say, okay, well, let me probe you. If you really want to do that, what about this? And why are you thinking that way? And, and then all of a sudden it provokes thought, which is, of course, what all things should do. It's interesting to hear you talk about having a mentor because I think some people, and I may be in this group too, associate having a mentor with somebody who is not that you're not young and spry, but let's just say on the earlier end of their professional trajectory. Maybe oh, yeah, they're sure. in college, they're just out of school, and they're Absolutely. sort of looking to get a foot in the door, sort of how to get started in whatever area they want to explore. So you're basically asking very nicely, you're pathetically old, no. Ed, and how could you possibly <laughs> still have mentors that are still alive? No, what I, <laughs> no, what I'm saying is I think it's great that what you are um, – illustrating is the importance of having mentors throughout our careers and that there's not some sort of magical time when, oh, I have, you know, I became president of Southwestern University. So, well, I don't need one anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I've I've gotten. I'm perfect. Right. I've gotten this job. And so Mm -hmm. I don't need any guidance or help anymore. Well, and there's something else. uh, If you're talking about kind of where you are in your journey, uh, I don't think that a mentor necessarily has to be someone who is older uh, than you. But again, it's the perspective that they bring and the questions that they ask and the inspiration they offer. And and so, you know, I've engaged with people who have mentored me who are younger than I am. I have yes, less experienced students. Uh, so I don't think it's always a, an age dynamic uh, that's there, but it's it's how, I mean, in my case, it's it's, you know, how can I grow and become a better version of myself through interactions with people who who will provoke thought and and they come in all ages and all shapes and sizes and backgrounds and everything else. Well, and I I would heartily agree. I also for me, knowledge comes into play. So for example, there are things that I know because I I entered radio at a time when there was no digital technology, there was right. no social media. So as I've gone along through the years, I've had to look more back for mentorship and training about those kind of things rather than look forward to people who've been in the profession longer than me. Right. Because often they're in the same boat. <laughs> That's right. And so you're looking for people who are kind of a little bit younger right. and, and are more are more attuned to the technology of the time. Well, and I will tell you, it's not exactly analogous to a mentorship, but it has taken me years to get over the fact that all of the doctors I have are now younger than me. <laughs> but I decided that that was a good thing because they are closer 
to the latest technology, latest knowledge, latest information. And I've, I've gotten past it, but it was an interesting sort of hurdle to get over that assumption that, well, the doctor needs to be older than me because he or she would be wiser. And I'm like, no, actually, I wouldn't mind somebody who is, is you know, not that doctors of any age don't do this, but who is a little bit closer to some of those innovations. And so. So actually, I experienced the exact same thing. I went to see a doctor. I had, this was many, many years ago, and I had a little bit of an arthritic elbow on my, on my right arm. And I just wanted to see if there's anything that could be done about it or what's going on. And I went to see this guy, and his name is Jonathan. And it turns out that he is, was a former, is a former student of mine, took Calculus One with me a oh, hundred really? years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I was fine with that because he was a smart guy, and so sure. I had no problem with that. And but when I made some comment about, he took an X ray and said, "Oh yeah, you, you've got a little beginning of an arthritic thing going on there, and it's uh-huh. not so bad now, but you know, it's not going to get any better." And I made some comment like, "Well, how could that possibly be?" And he had the audacity to turn to me and say, "Well, uh, Doctor Berger, you're not a kid anymore." <gasps> And I and I said, Jonathan, I said, I want you to know that I can change your grade <laughs> right. in calculus, even though you've you've graduated from medical school and your undergraduate days are long behind you. I can still change that grade. And so watch it, pal. Watch it, pal. Uh, but that that yeah. So I experienced that myself personally, and it was not pleasant. You know. <laughs> Well, I am wanting to delve into our puzzler. Mm. I have to say, I I've enjoyed puzzling and thinking through this one. I'm not sure I've gotten to the solution, but I like the path. Oh. That I was on. Well, let me remind so, yeah. our listeners what it, what the puzzle is, and maybe if you're willing, you'll you'll uh, share some absolutely some of your path. So we have these uh, two cog wheels, so these two you know round uh, discs that have teeth in them. The larger one has 24 teeth and is fixed, like it's attached to something, and it doesn't move. And the uh, other one, the smaller one, has eight teeth, and it rotates around the larger wheel. And so the two teeth kind of mesh up, and so you have the 24-tooth wheel that's fixed, and then this eight-tooth wheel that can rotate around the larger one. And the question is, how many times does the smaller wheel turn uh, compared uh, with the... uh, with the original bigger wheel. And so the way that I put it uh, last time was if you, at the start of the experiment, if you were to paint the top cog of the the top tooth, if you will, of the uh, little wheel, like red, how many times will that uh, red cog be on top as it journeys throughout its journey? That was the challenge. And I'd love to hear your journey. Well, I'm not finished with my journey, but I will tell you where I'm on it. So, well, first of all, instantly when you said cogs and whatever, I thought I'm out of here because this is machinery and I don't really understand it. Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting response. So a negative bias. So I had a negative bias and I thought, well, I'm just going to set that aside. But overcome it. So you overcame your bias. It was just interesting though, my immediate assumption that, well, this one's going to be really hard because I don't, this is, I'm not a mechanical person. Right. So then I thought, well, you know, I could make this a little easier on myself. Mm. And rather than have the two cogs be round, what if I made the big one flat and just Mm. essentially unrolled it? Mm -hmm. Because you still have the same number of teeth, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just in a different form Mm -hmm. that is less daunting to me. Mm -hmm. Like this, like what I'm drawing right here. Exactly what you're drawing right there. Right. So that that's what I that's as far as I've gotten. Oh well, well, but now you have to finish it live. But now, okay. right now I'm so, going to finish it live. Yeah. Well, so now I put this. So that has twenty four teeth. So it has twenty four horizontal. Teeth. Right. Twenty four right, teeth so on a horizontal. So all I did was take it 
and, and now make it I'm gonna, horizontal and now instead I'm gonna, of well, but now let's keep going. So now yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the eight tooth one. You yes. see how I've done it here uh-huh. and put it on the very left edge. Right. Okay. And and let's say that I have this tooth be red. Yes. And now I want you to think how many times. And you're gonna roll it down the length of the twenty four tooth. Right. And 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 watching it. Yeah. So now you can now. Well, what's what's the answer so there? I, I think that a knee jerk answer is three. Right, exactly, because you take 24 eight. and divide it by eight. Eight, and you get and three. So it does it three times, and that's absolutely correct. And that's the correct answer to the Jennifer puzzle. <laughs> to the flat puzzle. Exactly. But now we have to remember that the original cog, the large one, was actually round. Right. right. So, in fact, it wasn't just going horizontally, but it was actually Sleep. going, it was rot- orbiting around. And in that orbit, if you think about it, it makes one complete right. extra one. So it, it's orbiting as the smaller one is orbiting. Right. So, so it's basically going to go around, around one, one extra time, time because it goes around the large one. So it goes around once for the large one. one. Right. Here it was going straight in your right. example. Right. But if it's around, then it actually will go once around. So it's actually going to be... Four times. Exactly. So three of yours and then and one. Because, one. <laughs> well, because the, because the shape wasn't straight, it was right. round, and that goes you one more. Uh-huh. So the answer is actually four. Now, the, the natural guess that people would say would be three would be because three. they just would take 24 four divided by right. eight. But the tricky part is that since it's not flat, but I love the fact that you found the correct question to which three is the correct answer, uh-huh. which is if it were flat. The fact that it's round gives you an extra one, uh-huh. and that's where the fourth one comes from. So I love it. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. And I like... Um, getting to the answer from the flat one to the round one. Yeah. Because what I forgot was that the fact that it, it that they both are actually round just makes an added um, element to the mechanics of That's it. That's right. And, and do you feel that I was a good mentor as you were thinking through uh, that puzzle? I do, for many reasons. One of them is which because you worked in my medium. So what I often do when you start describing a puzzler is what is the first thing I do? You draw a picture. I start drawing always. pictures. Even if it's not visual, <laughs> you'll draw a picture. Oh, I'll always draw a picture. That's right. And that's what you started doing when I said, well, okay, let's make it flat. Mm-hmm. And Ed's got a, a elongated cog, essentially, with 24 teeth and then has a picture of a wheel with eight teeth. It's going to go rolling down it. Right. So I like that you sort of met me where I often work on these, which is visually. And, and that's what, I mean... And a good mentor will do that, right? A good a mentor will resonate with a person because they they can speak in some sense the same language. And if you are trying to inspire or move an individual, then you really want to be able to, to speak their language, meet them where they are, and try to inspire a change from there. Well, Ed, thank you for always meeting us where we are. <laughs> nice. Well, sometimes you have to because we have well, to I be come, in a recording I studio. Exactly. Right, exactly. KUT. But thank you for meeting us wherever we are on many <laughs> levels. Dr. Ed Berger is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. You can find out more at southwestern.edu. And you can keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News.